Welcome to our series Crossroads in Therapy Notes on Access in collaboration with Tangent Mental Health Initiative. In this episode, we speak about ableist structures, trace the neurodiversity movement and contextualize these conversations within the therapy room. Our host Ankita is in conversation with Anushree, a non-binary queer neurodivergent unicorn, a mental health professional whose practice is embedded with trauma-informed queer affirmative and neurodivergence affirmative practices. They have worked with young people and adults across varied settings. They also work as a consultant psychologist for NGOs and are known to convert their stress, love and anger into excellent memes. My name is Ankita. My pronouns are she and her. And I am a mental health practitioner with about four years of experience. I'm one of the co-founders of Tangent Mental Health Initiative. I take a queer affirmative, trauma-informed and affirmative stance in my work. And that is largely what I try to uphold as part of my journey with clients. Something that I like to uphold as a part of my work is accessibility and also ensuring that the power dynamics in the therapeutic relationship they are shared and the client as much feels like this is a space for them to come in and speak about concerns ask accountability from me as well as much as i think it is a space where i'm also kind of coming along with them and looking at their job so that is what i would like to share about myself hi my name is alushri and i am occur non binary person and use the state and pronoun so these are like my social location and i'm a mental health practitioner i have worked with young adults at adolescent and predominantly i work with the queer community i use queer formative lens trauma informed lens narrative practices a lot of my and expressive arts a lot of my practice stems from a lot of these lenses along with like social justice lens anti oppression lens and also neurodivergent affirmative lens and these are like the few of the lenses that i'm trying to integrate in a therapeutic space like you said one of my aim is also like accessibility and also i'm thinking about affordability from a collective point of view and that is something that is a journey that i want to embark on from now yeah mm-hmm. i think taking everything into mind and taking into consideration our also mm-hmm. topic for the conversation today where we are mm-hmm. trying to reimagine recovery when it comes to mental health mm-hmm. work i think something that i would like to know your thoughts on is what do you think about the recovery based approach that mental health practices currently tend to take on so for me if we also are bringing the mm-hmm. neurodiversity paradigm into the framework then the recovery model ultimately like it stems from ableism so it, mm-hmm. it is like ableist in its form because what are we expecting from the individual who come to therapy mm-hmm. what does recovery mean and if we see most of the time recovery is also so much aligned with capitalism because it's like productive and functional what does functionality would mean and what would recovery mean if the structures are the barriers for the person and how recovery model puts a lot of emphasis on the person and them to take the ownership of their mental well-being rather than the collective approach towards mental well-being as a whole i would also like to know from you especially because you have such a lot of experience of working with different populations 
when it comes to this idea of how i should take responsibility for my own mental health how have you seen it play out across the different populations that you have worked for example in terms of children i have worked with children who gets referred to a counselor right it would be a child who is not performing well in terms of academics or who is disrupting the class or someone who is not meeting to the standards that are led by the school structure or the parental unit structure mm-hmm. and this one of the drawbacks is also that if if a child is struggling but these markers of like functionality and productivity are there because they are like low needs child but they are struggling and mm-hmm. these markers are not there of like lagging in academic and then mm-hmm. the goal is like make them function according to the society rather than seeing what is happening at various levels that the child and various systems that the child is interacting with if we mm-hmm. also talk mm-hmm. about the minority community and i would specifically talk about the queer community and mm-hmm. a lot of barriers that are structural barriers that are there in mm-hmm. terms of the heteronormativity in terms of them being marginalized because of their gender and sexuality and how how then we would talk about when a transgender talks about dysphoria is it stemming from within or is it like from the society is it always yeah. that okay i have to navigate these spaces and that's mm-hmm. when the dysphoria comes and how much of self regulating activities we could keep giving the spaces don't change if they don't become affirmative towards them if they don't provide that access and that safe access to them so if you see from that perspective as well that that's how like it's put on the individual like okay how can i navigate these system but at the same time i would say that there needs to be a work where how these systems can be affirmative towards the people so if you have had conversations like these where your clients have come and told you that they mm. feel they find it very difficult to take up space mm. what has helped you kind of make sense of having this conversation how have you tried to go about it so a lot of time this really comes that okay which space should i navigate and in which space should i reveal my identity and in which space mm. should i like not reveal so one of the things that the way on an individual level i have been navigating is to prioritize safety over everything mm-hmm. to also have spaces if they do not already have spaces to also like find and cultivate or think about resources that we could develop or we could access such spaces where they find a community they feel safe to be themselves to express themselves to have that euphoria in those spaces and at the same time there are the spaces which are like okay i don't know whether this is safe this is not safe to also navigate how what are the things that they can do in terms of speaking up what are the other structures in that particular organization would help them in like asking for their accommodation in asking for certain mm. which are their rights to also tell them that these are your rights and you can go and access them and at the same time also identifying a person who's an ally in that institution or an organization or in that space so that the client doesn't have to do everything on their own they don't have to like go on about asking for accommodation on their own and it would help if there's someone else also advocating for them so also like making sure like how 
they can identify these places at the same time having that space open that if need be there would be like i would step in in terms of if there's a letter required if there's certain kind of advocacy is required from a position of expert like from a position of mental health professional so that the institution the organization would have certain like would give certain emphasis on the words because using that power as an expert in these situations and help the client navigate these spaces so that's how one of the things that i use in like the approaches another thing that you also said to also acknowledge the label to also bring that and see that i see you for because being seen and being understood and respected for the lived reality would the only for the client it would feel like a safe space it would feel like okay this is one space that i can come and access and this is the space from where i can also learn certain things to how i can access other spaces but i think historically if you look at the field of mental health mental health practitioners or the training of mental health practitioners largely does not involve advocacy as an active part of the practice so i would also like to know from you in terms of what you have been noticing through your work through your trainings how did you also come to follow the idea that as a therapist it's important for you to advocate for the rights of the client as well and also do you see it happening often in the mental health field or do you think there's still a lot of scope for the mental health field to take more accountability when it comes to advocacy there's always this gut feeling that this okay this is something that doesn't resonate and then you go yeah. on searching that okay where can i find these answers i think one of the places that i found these answers were in narrative practices and when i did the queer affirmative courses which both of them stands with the have the stance of ad- advocacy in build that mm-hmm. was where i found resonance and the literature which emerges from queer literature the literature which emerged from disability justice movement or the neurodiversity movement and the native practices so these are the literature that i went through and the trainers who are there and the people mm-hmm. who already talk about them are the sources where i found resonance and slowly then for me then it shifted from being a neutral to take an affirmative stance and to know how important it is to have an affirmative stance and not just a friendly stance or a neutral stance it's not just when it comes to the minority community you know the stance is for holistically for no matter who your client is the other part of your question was do i see that in the mental health movement and i see it's sort of divided like there is this mm. this there are mental health practitioners who do stand for affirmative action there are some, there are people who want to learn and there is a wave that has been started especially in india and i could see that a lot of new and new therapists are adopting these ideas very easily uh, in terms of people who have a lot of experience it also kind of it also comes like some of them still come from a very clinical perspective so there is like it's not that the entire mental health community is on the same ground as of now but that doesn't mean there's there's no work done you know i see that this wave that is starting and people are starting to like talk about it and see i have to still see but these are the things that i see mental health practitioners taking up individually or forming a collective but yeah. i have not yet 
come across from an institutional point of view that strongly but there are certain conversations that are taking place but i would say there's a long way to go in that direction what do you think also becomes the responsibility of therapists and becomes the responsibility of the mental health field in general so i think one of the things that even before we embark on the journey of learning new things there's so many things that we would have to unlearn the society gives us the normative ideas to then unlearn and break those ideas and to deconstruct and always question that where is the source of knowledge coming from where are we basing our knowledge base and also to find people who resonate with these path and these resources so that they would have because this cannot happen in isolation you cannot unlearn in isolation this only needs like conversation to like see and access those spaces where mm. these conversations can brought up these conversations can have at the same time i also feel there's a bit of a labor that we would also have to do in terms of not just sticking what the what has been produced by the team of psychology but diversify our reading in terms of other movements reading about caste reading about neurodiversity movement reading about disability movement and taking these lenses also in perspective and i would also say that it's not only just about reading but also listening to these people and giving value to lived experiences another thing that i would also like to see a change is that to not see therapist as inhuman to also bring our identities into our work to bring ourselves mm-hmm. into our work because a lot of time who should be a therapist is defined from a very cis heteronormative lens i would yeah. also say for us to then there's this dual role that we are advocating for our clients and we are advocating for ourselves as well to have that affirmative space as a therapist mm. how do you think all of these ideology shifts or all of these narrative shifts i think that we are trying to make in the field of mental health also adds to the idea of making mental health accessible to people how does it contribute to the idea of accessibility to answer that if one of the things is that we are also affirming our identities in a way and we are not like this neutral person who doesn't have feelings and emotions a lot of what we would be doing is that we would also be building relational work and how have building a connection with the client and how can you build a connection with a client if you don't show up as your authentic self and now what does that authentic self would do you know and for that to for a therapist who's from a, a marginalized community to show up as their authentic self would also require a certain form of safety if the people who want to seek mental health services they would have certain information and who the therapist is what are their stances and that would also build like the first level of rapport that okay if we are because mm. if you see that in west they do not really call themselves trauma informed or queer affirmative but here it is so important to state that for now because how yeah. will the person know that what are your alignment in terms of whether you would be a safe person for me to even approach so these yeah. are the things that would make them approach a therapist at the same time as the therapist identity matches that so there is also this one layer of understanding mm-hmm. that maybe they would be able to understand my lived experiences and it won't be like from a top down perspective or if we also talk about our stance and our point of view very openly they would know that this person would know what i'm going through you know so i would also mm-hmm. not require i would not have to do the labor of explaining them my lived reality so that is that's one part where the accessibility would 
in terms of approaching the therapist other aspect would be if we also talk about because we're also talking about systems and working yeah. in systems and when we also work with the systems and we, when we start having this conversation on a systemic level and the more we have this conversation the more it would reach to different parts and different communities mm-hmm. and then they can have this conversation in their communities and it's like the domino effect that keeps happening that if yeah. work in one aspect then it has its impact in other aspect hmm. something that you got up right now is just elicited a story specifically with respect to the first conversation that i had with a client when we were reaching out to me one of the first questions that they had asked me is that are you queer affirmative because if you're not then we are not going to go ahead i'm not going to start therapy with you and i think it was in that conversation with this person that i realized that it's so important for people to also have the language when it comes to accessibility but you know that these are questions and rights as you mentioned mm-hmm. language about accessibility and language about rights by extension that these are questions that i can also ask my therapist mm-hmm. before i even start the process instead of having to figure it out through conversations mm-hmm. and test waters with them around like okay can i say this can i bring in this part of my identity with them if you feel comfortable do you have any stories from your personal like from your therapeutic work where you have seen accessibility where you have seen your practices mm-hmm. make it accessible for the person who's reaching out to you mm-hmm. so i would give it from a two perspective first i would also like mm-hmm. to talk about my journey as a client in this so earlier like way back before like 2018 when i was accessing therapy and very new to the field didn't know much about it but like going and seeing that going to a therapist and they would have this qualification and written qualification but i would also be sitting and assessing is this person queer or not are they an ally mm. should i talk about it should i even because even that time i was like in the closet should i talk about it what if mm. it backfires and now i see that because the therapists are coming forward and also saying that i'm queer or not that one line of questioning i feel would get reduced mm-hmm. and also the vocabulary of pure affirmative is something that is there now so i yeah. didn't have this vocabulary way back like many years ago mm-hmm. there is such vocabulary and like you said that so when clients come to me and i was also in the phase of navigating how much should i like reveal about my identity and how does it feel like because it was also kind of in with my personal journey of coming out so then mm-hmm. i how can i then do it in my professional journey and i did have mentors and supervisors who did guide me how to do that and i'm at a place where i'm comfortable in telling my identity to my clients so most mm-hmm. of the client comes and in specifically in terms of my trans clients that i have seen that because the vocabulary is so much given by the dominated society there are certain yeah. things and there are certain things that we don't still have the vocabulary <clears throat> we are still also trying to find the language and when there is no language present how would you communicate with the person and i think that's where my lived experiences comes in and their lived experience and they, there's this felt sense that is there you know and that mm. is that relational bonding that i talked about the relational connection and that seeps in and that sometimes i just there are no words but we both of us know that we know what this feels like and that sometimes also goes a long way with terms of resonance and in terms of not finding words not finding mm-hmm. things that's why i also said that how we need to have a diversity in 
therapist as well so that because the language is evolving and most of us do not still have the language and how yeah. can communicate when the language is not there and there's so much of felt sense that can be there also making certain kind of words that we already have and making it popularized so the masses would have the language to ask Absolutely. the vocabulary of word affirmative is only with the therapist and if the client don't know which questions to ask now one of the things that also mm-hmm. where clients are they do come they are also talking about neurodivergence and they also say that yeah. they're neurodivergent and they have also got this language and they know and they use it and they ask the therapist like what is your stance when it comes to the neurodiversity movement yeah. and fairly also where these conversations are happening so it's also happening mm-hmm. where there is certain amount of privilege present because this mm-hmm. this knowledge is like present for certain privileged masses and then to have that a uh, notion to have that understanding and then to also know that how can we then give out this language to other people who might not have the privilege enough to go and access this language on their own and maybe a client might come to you without any of these words but then how can we then equip them with you know with psychoeducation and them knowing it them having this knowledge would also <clears throat> empower them would <clears throat> also give back the agency to the client to mm-hmm. ask for the access and accommodation that they need i think like because of some work that i've been doing recently i've also been like just looking at some largely read, at reddit conversations that people are having people from the community are having with each other about their experience of neurodiversity and i see that a lot of the times when there is no language that exists that they can find within systems or within systems that hold power mm. largely people within the community just try to come up with language themselves mm. which can highlight their experiences also being somebody who is a neurodiversity affirmative in their work mm. somebody who makes that stance known to people how important has that been for you as well being able to tell your clients that i am neurodiversity affirmative and this is therefore a space where you're open to have conversations about their identity in the way that they would want to i also tell them that i'm also a neurodivergent individual so i also kind of feel mm-hmm. that aspect of mine and also say that that gives clarity about to them that they can talk about it that they can tell like you said that you have read posts on social media from people who have lived experience and they might not have the jargon language but there is a language mm-hmm. that is present so they would know that i can you know i can bring it up i can say that i read it on an instagram post i can see it on mm-hmm. i read it on twitter post and i won't be snubbed i won't be said that okay no this is just you your imagination there's nothing like mm-hmm. that they would know that like i would be affirming to their lived experiences i also go by the stance of self determination is valid i do not use the word diagnosis because then it goes into the pathology paradigm so a lot mm. of them would come and it's not that they just read one tweet or one instagram post like they are navigating these communities that are there and there are like very strong communities out there and mm. they read and they would really resonate with these experiences and there's so much reading already done and they would come and say that you know either they would identify themselves as, as the neurodivergent umbrella term or they would have a specific term and 
how that also affirms them, how that also empowers them. And if I also affirm that, it would also make the process easier that we are not sitting here and then debating about the terms. But we are also then seeing what, because also the, there's also a lot of strategies and a lot of resources that have come up to these movements. Then we would also talk about them and to navigate that what can be used by the client so that they are better equipped to navigate through these structures. Some of the times, they do not have the vocabulary and they are not even seeking for a neurodiversity affirmative practitioner. When we are having conversation, I also feel wherever it's necessary, I would give that information. And mm-hmm. not necessarily, I would also say that let's not think about the labels, but can we take the strategies that are emerging from these movements and see if they are applicable to us? And it can, it can, cannot be. Just having mm-hmm. that opening and giving them that space to also think about it and also to navigate that, okay, there are terms that are there that I can use. These terms are not stigmatizing. Then yeah. they are very empowering. It gives back the agency to me from the system. Mm. The, the mm. system is not determining. They do not have the power. Again, I think specifically what you mentioned around how they, they can walk up to their therapist and they can say that I read this on a Twitter post and I read this on an Instagram post and that will not be snubbed as, oh, that information is not reliable because it doesn't come mm. from like it doesn't come from systemic knowledge hmm. again systems in power knowledge from systems in power they also i think are some shared experiences that i've had in sessions with people that i've been working with where again they've also they've also come in with doubt around like okay is this even valid because this is only a conversation that i'm having within groups that identify or identify with my experiences okay yeah hmm. just because someone else is saying it that's when it becomes valid but if it is your experience, it's valid nonetheless. The last thought that I'm left with that I want to hear your thoughts about is that what do you think utopia would look like in a world where mental health is accessible and it's close for the people who are reaching out? What would that look like? One of the things it would be to build accessible structures on an individual level, on a systemic level, and that would also mean not looking at accommodation from the certain terms that we use, like special needs, to like right, put yeah. them up, like to dismantle those terms and be like mm-hmm. what accommodation looks like. And not only seeing it as that accommodation is given to a certain section of the society and the other section don't require it. So how can we also see in the utopia that accommodation is not an extra need? So also to build structures, keeping in mind. So if we build structures for neurocognitive minorities, it doesn't mean that the neuroconforming people are left out of it. If we build yeah. for them, it is built for the holistic society altogether. To build structures, keeping in mind the uh, various identities of people and to enhance accessibility. At the same time, also giving space to not only expert-driven mental health support, but at the same yeah. time, what's the support that is coming from the community? And then dismantling the expert point of view. How that would then have impact? As we go with in terms of utopia, the role of a therapist would also keep changing. And also, it's not about like we are giving it. It's not that we as a therapist are doing it. How can we learn from the community? Like how not take the mic away from lived experiences. I just want to add 
how our consciousness yeah. has been limited to like the individual therapy unit and individual healing but also how can we then bring in the collective healing and yeah. what would collective healing look like and also to acknowledge that therapy space is one of the spaces where the client can embark on the healing journey and not the mm. only space and not the only important space and how Absolutely. can we can also as the therapist also affirm that, that yes mm. there are other spaces there are the community spaces there are other forms of collective healing that is also yeah. coming from the history of that community from the historical cultural perspective of the community thank you so much i'm sure this was really nice i really loved having this conversation with you thank you for inviting me and thank you for making this space like safe for me to also bring in that vulnerability and affirming those aspects for me 